0: I'm going to start with a question this morning. Is more always better? Is more, 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 more always better? Is more water always better? Is more laughter always better? How about more traffic? Is more traffic always better? How about more religion? Is more religion always better? I love this comic, comedian. His name's Michael Jr. You can YouTube him. He says, Some of you are oversaved. Oversaved. Like, what's oversaved? He says, Well, oversaved is when you say to your friend, Hey, man, let's go get something to drink. Are you thirsty? And your friend says, I'm thirsty for the Lord. That's oversaved when we're when we're forcing it, when we become creepy Christians. That's what he says. It's funny. This morning we're starting a new series: 40 days of decrease, decrease, less of John Ireland leading my life, less of John Ireland being the CEO of my life, less of my willfulness, less of my selfishness, less of me being in control, and more of Jesus, more of the Spirit of God, more of his love, his mercy, his kindness, more of him leaking out of me as he fills me up. If you have a Bible, I'm going to invite you to turn to the Gospel of John, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, so fourth book of the Bible. John chapter 3 Verses 22 through 30. I'll just read, or I'm not going to read the first part, but I'll enter it. What's happening in the context of this, because I'm going to start reading at 27. John uh, and his disciples, they're baptizing, and then Jesus comes along. And John's disciples notice that Jesus and his disciples now are baptizing. And John's disciples are like, hey, everyone, everyone's going over to him now. In fact, I love love how they say it. They came to John and they said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one that you pointed to, the one you testified about, well, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. This morning we're going to focus on John's words, John's response to that. Listen to these words. John replied, No one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It's the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. John chapter 3, verse 30, that's the theme verse of this whole series. In other translations, it reads, he must increase... And I must decrease. He must become greater and greater. I must become less and less. I want to reflect with you this morning. When Jesus increases in your life, and when you decrease, what happens? What difference does that make? When Jesus increases and you decrease, I want you to know that your life will feel different. And your life will look different. A shift will happen. Four shifts that will happen that I want to just share out of John's response. Verse 27. John replied, No one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. What does that mean? The first shift when Jesus increases and I decrease is less taking credit and more giving credit. Less taking credit. Do you take credit for the success in your life? For the good that's happening in your life? Or do you point to God? Listen to this word, Psalm 115, verse 1. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name goes all the glory for your unfailing love and faithfulness. Do you believe that? Everything I have comes from God? Or are you more of the perspective, no, 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 I earned it. I deserve it. I did that. That's me. That's not God. That's me. Deuteronomy 8, verses 17 and 18, maybe help, might help you shift your thinking. The wisdom of the Old Testament. You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. You might say that. Verse 18, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability. It is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. It is he who gives you the ability to have those relationships. It is he who gives you the ability to have those doors open. It is he who gives you the ability to keep your mouth shut. It's he who gives you the ability to listen well. It's he who gives you the ability... Do you believe that? John certainly did. No one can receive anything unless God gives it. I've shared this story before, but when I was a younger pastor in my late 20s, I was the youth pastor at Montecito Covenant Church, and I got to preach one of my first sermons back in the early days of me being a pastor. And in those days, at the end of the service, you know, the pastor would, and some churches I think still do this, but walk. Out, the pastor would walk out. So I walk out before everybody else during the last song, and then you stand at the door, and you shake people's hands when they walk out, and they say, good job, pastor, nice sermon, pastor. Hey, that was great, pastor. Anybody ever have that experience? Yeah, okay, you've seen that, right. So I'm out there, and I'm shaking hands, and people are patting me on the back. And this little old lady, her name was Melva Wickman, loved Melva, probably in her mid, mid 80s, late 80s at the time. And she came to me, and she could hear people were congratulating me and kind of patting me on the back. And she said, That, that was a wonderful message, John. And then she said this, But don't touch the glory. It's like, What? She's like, Don't touch the glory, it's all His. It's all his. And whether you're in ministry or in business, it's just so easy to touch the glory, to want the glory, to get the credit. And what John models for us here is when Jesus increases, when he becomes greater and greater in your life, you take less credit and you give him more credit. So my question to you is, Are you touching the glory? Are you taking credit for the good, for the success, for the blessing in your life? Second reflections, the second shift that happens when when Jesus increases and I decrease. There's less Messiah complex and more purpose. Look at verse 28 less Messiah complex, you yourselves know, this is John the Baptist, you yourselves know how plainly I told you I am not the Messiah. I'm not God. That's what he's saying. I'm not. I am only here to prepare the way for him. You see, I love John's sense of purpose his sense of identity. I am not the Messiah. He pointed, he is. I'm not God, he is. But I know my role. I know my purpose. And it's to point and prepare the way for him. Which, by the way, if you're a follower of Jesus, that's your role too. To point others to him. To prepare the way so others can have a real life-giving relationship with him. So what is a Messiah complex? I looked it up. The Messiah complex is this attitude of, I'm the Savior. I'm the only one who can make this happen, who can rescue her, who can save him, who can make a way when the odds are against us. I'm the only one capable to fix it, to solve it, to make it happen. Makes me think of some parents getting their kids into college this week as we watch the news. I gotta make it happen for my kids. I gotta solve the problem. How's this gonna look if my kid goes to city college? Our image. And if you're a follower of Jesus, where this intersects with you and with me is, of course we work hard. Of course we do our best. Of course we pursue excellence. And we trust God. And so when the door closes, when, when we've done everything we can and, and the chips don't go our way, We don't cheat, we don't lie, we don't bribe, do we? Or do we? I wrote this in my notes. When we face a mountain of a challenge, am I I taking matters into my own hands or am I turning to and trusting the one who can move the mountain? Do I understand that I have a greater purpose than getting my kid into college? A greater purpose in this life than worldly success, than image, than what others think about me and my family. A greater purpose. Don't touch the glory, but the purpose is to honor him, to glorify him, to live for Christ. Third reflection. Well, let me just ask you a question. I, I, I got it in my notes. So I'm going to read it. Where might you be taking matters into your own hands right here, right now, this morning, in your family life, in your life? Where might you be cheating to get ahead, to rescue a loved one? Where might you be guilty of a Messiah complex? I got I to gotta do, do God's job for him. And what if today that could change for you? What if maybe God brought you here for this moment? You saw those news stories and you were actually going, Oh my gosh, if I got caught cheating, lying, bribing, cutting those corners that nobody knows about. Maybe today God brought you here to say, you know what, that can your story can end differently than than the story of, of those many, many, many families and kids. When Jesus increases, and you and your way and your selfishness, and mine too, decreases, we have this greater sense of purpose it's not about me, myself, and I. A greater sense of purpose. I am not the Messiah. I am not God. I don't have to make it all happen. All right. Third reflection. When Jesus increases and I decrease, as I read the words of John, I realize there's less jealousy and more joy. Listen to his words. It's the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the bridegroom's friend, that's the best man, is simply glad, to, glad, 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 joyful, glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with what? Joy at his success. See, as followers of Christ, as Jesus becomes greater and greater in me. As he increases his influence in me, you know what happens? I become a person who's less jealous and more joyful at the success of others. And you are too. That's what happens. You know, I've officiated a lot of weddings over the years, and there's nothing more annoying or ugly than the maid of honor who thinks it's her day. I've seen it. They think it's about them, and it's not. It's about the bride, right? When you go to a wedding, it's not about the maid of honor. It's not about the best man. It's about the bride and the groom. Sometimes the mother of the bride thinks it's about her. It's not about the mother of the bride either. News alert. (laughs) When Jesus increases, I decrease I become less jealous. You know, I don't know about you, but in this town, that's real. In ministry, that's real. That pastor's church is bigger than ours. Their staff's bigger. They're it's easy to compare and get jealous and look at their house and look at their life and look at their... When Jesus increases, when he becomes greater, and greater in your life and in my life. I become less jealous and more joyful. Who doesn't want that? I want that. So let me ask you a question. Why not today? There are some of you, maybe you're like, I'm not sure. I'm curious. I'm seeking. I'm trying to figure out this faith journey. Why not let Jesus today begin To increase his influence, his voice becomes the loudest in your life. Not the world, the word. The word of God, not the world, becomes the loudest influence, the loudest voice in your life. Why not let Jesus become greater and greater and then watch your life change? more freedom, freedom from what others think, freedom from trying to impress others, freedom from and freedom for, freedom to serve, freedom to love. Less envy, less jealousy. Who doesn't want that? I want that. Jealousy just poisons us. Envy just, it's a poison to our spirit. It locks us up. We can't be good friends. We can't be loving family members when we're filled with envy and jealousy. And I love John the Baptist. He was freed up. He knew his role. His heart was in such a healthy place. I love that line. I'm filled with joy at his success. People around him, yeah, no, 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 They're all going to him. He's like, I am so happy for him. Don't you want to get there? That you could be happy for your friends and your enemies' success? That's freedom. Fourth reflection. When Jesus becomes greater and greater, when he increases his influence in my life and I become less, my willfulness, my selfishness becomes less. My agenda becomes less. His agenda becomes more. What happens? There's less worry and more wisdom, more perspective, less worry. Notice if you read John chapter 3 in these verses, in verse 24 there's this caveat. It says this was before John was put in prison. It's interesting that he mentions that, the author of John's gospel speaking about John the Baptist. He says this was before John was put in prison. So then you, you think, well, wait, what happened to John? And you you flip over to Matthew chapter 11, and John is now in prison. And you begin to kind of look under the hood in John's life, and you discover a man who, who now is beginning to wonder and worry, is Jesus really the Messiah? Because the things I'm hearing... He's not overthrowing the Roman government. He's not powerful like I believed he was and the Messiah is going to be. And here's the line. Jesus' actions were not meeting John's expectations. And that created fear, that created worry, that created some stress. What the heck am I doing in prison? If he was really the Messiah, uh, I shouldn't be in here. He should be rescuing me. And I just wonder if that's not true of you and me, that we stress out more when God doesn't meet our expectations. I wonder if Jesus' actions or lack of action in your life right here, right now, is not meeting your expectations. You're you're facing something in your life, and you're like, God isn't coming through. Somebody in this room today is disappointed with God. He's not answering your prayers. The more you pray, your, your, your health has gotten worse. The relationship didn't get better, it got worse, and you're like, wait a minute. And here what John the Baptist is saying is, wait a minute, time out. Is Jesus the one? And when Jesus increases in your life and in my life, there's less worry. There's more wisdom. What do I mean by wisdom? It's more an ability to surrender that that God is in charge. God is up to something, even though I might not see it. Some of you are part of the emotionally healthy spirituality. We have a little devotion. Uh, those are our staffs going through it right now but I read this story and I thought I'd read it for you because I thought it was a, it, it, it's a great illustration of what we're talking about here that when we when, when we look at life from our perspective versus from maybe God's perspective there's a bigger story going on there's an old story about a wise man living on one of China's vast frontiers One day, for no apparent reason, a young man's horse ran away and was taken by nomads across the border. Everyone tried to offer consolation for the man's bad fortune. But his father, a wise man, said, what makes you so sure this is not a blessing? Months later, his horse returned bringing with her a magnificent stallion. This time, everyone was full of congratulations for the son's good fortune. But now the wise father said, what makes you so sure this isn't a disaster? Their household was made richer by this fine horse the son loved to ride. But one day... The son fell off his horse and broke his hip. Once again, everyone offered their consolation for his bad luck. But the wise father said, What makes you so sure this is not a blessing? A year later, nomads invaded, and every able-bodied man was required to take up his bow and go into battle. The Chinese families living on the border lost nine out of every ten men who went to fight. It was only because the son, who was lame, and the father survived to take care of each other. Often what appears to be success or a blessing is actually a terrible thing. What appears to be a terrible event can turn out to be a rich blessing. Have you ever experienced a terrible circumstance that actually turned out to be a rich blessing? From John's perspective, Jesus wasn't meeting his expectations, but Jesus came and what looked like The worst day in history, when he was crucified, became the greatest weekend in the world because he rose again, but he had to die for the sins of the world. What looked tragic, what looked horrific, and was, turned out to be the richest blessing for those who would open their lives to to God in Christ. Are you with me this morning? Are you connecting the dots so here's the question as we close how do i let jesus become more how do i let him increase we were talking about this in a couple meetings this week and i i loved some of the reflections not by becoming more religious some of you are thinking, i got to become more religious no And not by gutting it out. I got to try harder and harder and harder. And not by hoping it's just going to happen. I'm just going to sit back and I I just hope that he's going to increase. It doesn't work that way. So then, how do I let Jesus increase? I got an object lesson over here. Did you notice? Hiding over here, I got a sponge. I hope this works. (laughs) All right. I want you to think about a sponge as your life. And this sponge, it's just, it's dry. This sponge will not become the best version of itself without water, right? I mean, now it's just kind of, I mean, it, it can do some things, but it's not until it's saturated with water that water is poured out onto it, and that's what happens, right? I'm doing this very carefully. It's poured out, and then what happens? Look, it's squeezed, and water comes out of it. And all of a sudden, this sponge becomes the best version of itself. Well, how do we allow the fountain of life? You know, Scripture says that, Psalm 36, verse 9, you, O God, you are the fountain. He's the fountain of life. He's pouring himself out into your life. Jesus said, I'm the living water. There are springs, a spiritual metaphor that are being poured out onto you. His love every day, he wants to pour it onto you. And I want you to think of of your life as a sponge. How do you let it get saturated by water? Water. By his You have to sit under the spigot. you got to turn the faucet on. It's a choice you make every day. It's ready to flow. All you got to do is turn the spigot on. Turn that faucet on and the water will flow onto that sponge. Am I right? Is that right? Yeah. So how do you turn the spigot on in your life to receive the love of God, the power of God, the spirit of God in your life? How does that happen? It doesn't happen by accident doesn't happen by grinding it out by becoming more religious it happens by making intentional choices i know i'll just speak in my life how does it happen it happens when i slow down and stop and pray connecting with god not with a big agenda but to connect, I don't, I don't turn the radio on in my car. I pray in my car a lot throughout the day. I love uh, our friend Simon, who's in my uh, Thursday class. He, he actually has on his phone a Muslim app. And it's the call to prayer five times a day. And it's just this reminder that comes up, and he stops, and he prays to Jesus. But it's this reminder to slow down, to stop, because... A lot of us we have our quiet time at 6 a.m. and by two in the afternoon, man, God seems so far away because of what's happening in our life. So slowing down, stopping throughout the day, what are the triggers, the reminders that would call you to connect with God? That's opening your life, the spigots flowing. You gotta put yourself under there to receive his love. I also sit under the, the, the teaching of God's word. I listen to sermons, I read the Bible. I let the word of God shape my mind, my, voice, or my, my, my life, the way I live. And you do too. That, that's how he saturates us with his love. He speaks to us through his word. What about confession? Somebody in a men's group this week said that. It's through confession that I allow myself to just empty myself of me and then receive his forgiveness and his love. That's part of how we do that daily confessing not as religious activity but as a spiritual practice that's life-giving that allows you think of it as your life as a sponge and allowing the, the love and forgiveness of God to be poured out onto you and then maybe one last one is just I call it daily surrender living a fully surrendered life you know you have to die a lot of little deaths To follow Jesus you have to die a lot of little deaths which means surrendering Uh, Galatians 2 I have been crucified with Christ that means a little death more than once a day I have been crucified with Christ I no longer live decrease Paul's saying but Christ lives in me that's increase So I say no, the surrender is, I'm going to say no to my selfish story so I can say yes to a bigger story, the story God wants to write in my life, a story that's love everyone always, a story of discipling and mentoring others, a story of serving and living not for myself but beyond myself. Are you with me this morning? Don't you want that life? Who doesn't want that life? It's the life that Jesus invites us into and John the Baptist models through his words. So let's pray together. I'm going to invite the band to come up. I'm going to pray a prayer, and uh, if these words connect with you, you just kind of whisper them under your breath. Let it be your prayer. Let me pray for us. Maybe put your hand on your heart as an act of devotion, an act of saying, I I want more, Jesus, more of you. I want you to increase. I want you to become greater. Put your hand on your heart if that's you this morning. And so, Jesus, whatever it takes, increase my delight in you for your unfailing love. Jesus, whatever it takes, increase my dependence on you, moment by moment. Whatever it takes, increase my willingness to die many little deaths in order to live a better story and become the best version of myself. Oh God, whatever it takes, I pray that you would increase my desire to do your will, to live in your ways, not because we must, but because we may, we get to, that it's a joy to be with you, knowing that you are with us. We, we want to make that shift of, of living from this position of just trying to get something from you, to to being with you and acknowledging that you're with us. So increase your influence and increase your power and increase your mercy and your grace and your love in our lives this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.